Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. You are either watching the public comment video blog series or listening to the public comment podcast. You can visit the public comment website at publiccomment.blog or share your thoughts with the public comment Twitter page, Facebook page, or YouTube page. I've got to tell you, life is such a learning process at times. So I'm working with this new technology. I'm trying to integrate my cell phone camera into this video vlogging because I just think the camera quality is ultimately better. So I did an entire live stream on Facebook and the audio was completely out of sync. And at this point in time, the reasons why are over my head. And I'm just a little bit annoyed about all of that. In any event, today, what I want to talk to you about, there are three topics I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about failure. I want to talk to you about time. And I want to talk to you about free thought. But first, I want to say to all the mothers out there, Happy Mother's Day. And I want to say to my mother, Mom, Happy Mother's Day. I love you. And I want to dedicate today's video blog and or podcast to my mother because my mother is the one who has She's one of the most fundamental figures in making me who I am today. And while there are many things about myself I would indeed change, I am at least quite comfortable in my skin today. And that's a good thing, considering I, when I was a much younger person, in fact, I suffered from self-loathing and all the self-esteem issues that can sometimes arise at uh, different points in life. Please don't mind me as I indulge in my coffee. I just love it. I love my coffee. So I want to start by talking to you about failure because, first of all, it's something I know quite a bit about. Uh, but more interestingly, I was actually watching a YouTube video about failure. Specifically, this was a YouTube video about Elon Musk and how what was supposedly the explanation for his successes. And the theory was that this uh, gentleman uh, with his YouTube channel supposed, alleged, is that with the case of Elon Musk, he in fact experienced a lot of failure, however, was able to overcome that failure repetitively. And because he did not allow those failures to define him, his great successes were able to mask that string of awful failures. And I thought that was inspiring enough. So the case is, the fact is, yes, I've failed quite a bit in my life. As I told you before, I got an F in math when I was in fifth grade. That was, that was the first major failure of my life. And I didn't know what the cause of that could have been. I, I didn't do my homework. 
that was that was a cause. But there was also this question of why couldn't I comprehend at the time? And I thought it was because I was just incompetent. Anyway, self-esteem, depression, anxiety, I've talked about that in another video blog and I'm sure I'll cover it again. I don't want to digress into that particular subject right now. Though I've got no problem with digressions. In fact, I love a good digression, which I'll be talking to you about in just a bit, but back to this topic of failure. So that was my first big, major, significant, impactful failure. Also around this time, one of my desires was to be a movie actor. While I made some home movies with my friends or amateur movies with my friends, we couldn't make plays. I suppose we could, but we didn't. And I needed a more of an outlet for my acting, so I would try out for the school plays. And I never got the lead role. Not in middle school and not in high school, despite auditioning. And I was really upset about that because the way I had perceived it, as obsessed as I was with acting, and I mean, I was damn obsessed. All of my free time was spent watching movies, studying John Travolta, Dustin Hoffman, Marlon Brando, Meryl Streep, uh, etc. And if I wasn't studying them, I was practicing. Either writing my own monologue, or improvising my own monologue, or rehearsing on the phone for a movie we were going to make, my friends and I, or practicing for a part, not the lead, but a part I would manage to get in a particular play. I never got the lead role, and that was sort of a real devastating blow to my self-esteem in those days. I also failed utterly with romance in high school. I had no self-esteem, so that was part of it. And even when I managed to end up with a girlfriend, I was never good at contributing anything to those romantic relationships that would last, I don't know that anything lasted more than a month, to be honest with you, I'm trying to remember. Anyway, it all does work out for the best sometimes because, as it turns out, I'm married to the brilliant genius nurse, Ashley O'Connor, my wife, my amazing, wonderful wife. We've been married since 2015 now. Five years this August. Four years. I suck at math. We're talking about failure and I'm talking about math. I can't even add, I can't even do my basic, basic, basic arithmetic sometimes. I'm obviously terribly nervous right now because I've screwed up an entire, I did an entire live stream on Facebook. The entire thing got messed up. So I'm just, I'm annoyed at that. I'm working on a new recording device and not positive how long it will last. Anxiety really messes with your head. Anyway, 
So that was one, yet another failure, uh, romantic relationships. And not just in high school, but even through my sophomore year of college, I was in a long-term relationship uh, with this girl. And I was an awful boyfriend. I messed that up. And I apologize. I want to say to that girl, I'm not going to give you her name. I respect her privacy. But should she happen to be out there in the cyber universe, the universe in general, and happen to come across this, I just want to say I apologize for what an immature yeah that's what I was concerned about oh it looked as if the video had stopped but I guess it hasn't okay I apologize for the immature rather unfortunately unloving, unsupportive, utterly disinterested guy that I was who um, didn't, who, who, because I suffered from intense anxiety and depression that that had been unaddressed. I apologize that that was something that you had, that had to involve you. That's something that I just feel awful about. And I consider the awful boyfriend I was at that time, I consider that to be one of my greatest failures in life. And that, that just sucks, doesn't it? When you, when you look back and think about a relationship that you destroyed, whether it was romantic or friendship, just, just on a basic level of human-to-human -human interaction, knowing that you caused damage to that interaction is just unfortunate the way that it lingers in your memories can haunt you. But like I said, fortunate as I am, I got to meet Ashley, the love of my life, and I got to enjoy romance and succeed there. And I am so grateful for that. Alas, I've not always been the greatest husband or boyfriend to her either. And certainly I apologize for all of the conflicts that I initiated or perpetuated. So you may also know I dropped out of college my sophomore year because I just, there were a number of reasons. One was the whole chronic anxiety, serious depression thing. But I, and I talked about this in my video blog on graduating college in greater length. So I'll spare you too much of a repeat with that. However, 
I'll say that it's unfortunate that there is this lack of commitment in my education, lack of interest in my education, a detachment, and even this utter negativity towards it, lack of appreciation towards it. And so what are you going to do without a college education and no interest in a particular trade that you can build yourself up working at? And so you're pretty much asking for economic and professional failure, as I unfortunately learned and did. It didn't stop me from trying to be a productive individual, though. And 2009, 2010, I wrote and self-published this book, Lovers, Other Stories, and Words. I tell you, I'm utterly ashamed of this piece of junk for a plethora of reasons, beginning with the fact that I don't subscribe to the philosophical ideas, most of them in this book. But one philosophical idea I feel proud of promoting in this book is the benefits of monogamy. Beyond that, though, there's uh, an attitude, sort of excessive indulgence in sexuality and drugs in this book that I wish I hadn't written as I did. So there's a sort of intellectual content failure with respect to this, but also a sense of failure in terms of actually the whole self-publishing experience and trying to sell this thing. I need to give you just some examples. So I bought, I think, 500 copies of this, and I would go to bars and try to sell. I would go to bookstores. And went into Manhattan and knocked on the doors of every bookstore I could find, tried to sell a copy. We went to Los Angeles and I tried to knock on every door, not every door literally, but I tried to find places in Los Angeles with the week of time that I had from here in Jersey, took the train there, and tried to get this in the hands of as many people as I could. I paid even to be at the LA Times Festival of Books where I could sign, did everything I could to promote this thing and it failed. Uh, nobody got interested in this. And again, as it turned out, the content was bad. And within less than a year, I realized I needed to give up on that enterprise. At which point, I started doing live stream video blogging. Some were live streams, others were pre-recorded. Those enterprises were also failures for different reasons. One of them being, I had no sense of objective structure. I had no sense of, in my opinion, redeeming values as a human being at that time. And there were some videos I made which were very spiteful and negative. I think I had said some comments about my former stepmother. Former stepmother because she divorced my father. He, they got divorced, so she's no longer my stepmother. I had some anger that I think I put out in a YouTube video, which I utterly regret. And I also had a really poor attitude towards technology. So why, and towards like object, I, it wasn't objective, I was a subjectivist in those days. I didn't believe in the existence of knowledge. I thought 
there was essentially reality was whatever we wanted it to be. So I just didn't pay attention to things like how to actually make a live stream work or how to make a video blog something that could be of quality. I didn't know what quality meant in those days. So after failing to reach an audience that was big enough for me to feel good about and realizing that I had no idea actually what I was doing, I gave up that. And by the way, there were numerous attempts I tried to do different types of video blogging. There was the Sean O'Connor show, there was Wealthy Talk, there was Thrive, there was State of the Universe. All of these were failed video blogging enterprises. Other failures of mine. I ran for political office three times. I ran for town council, East Windsor Town Council, East Windsor Regional School Board, and I ran for New Jersey State Legislature and the Assembly. It's one of the two assembly seats for the 14th Legislative District. Failure, failure, failure. I joined the Libertarian Party, which led to failure because that was just a stupid thing to do. I say that was stupid for numerous reasons. To begin with, as I look at the world now, I realize that libertarianism is a destructive, though perhaps inadvertently so, ideology, which is so into the laissez-faire concept of letting people just do their thing that uh, there's no safety net in this ideology for when people use their freedom to abuse and exploit other people. You can find out more about the development of my political ideology on my video blog website, publiccomment.blog, where I explain that in a little bit more detail and give some autobiographical information on how all that transpired and some of the principles I've developed. Nonetheless, that adds to my string of failures. One of the stranger elements of my long list of failed adventures in life was this weird fixation I had on, you may have heard this law of attraction concept, where they say positive thoughts attract more positive thoughts and attract positive circumstances. Now, it in fact may be true, it's probably true that positive thinking overall is a good idea and will lead to more success. And it is probably also the case that while we don't understand on a level of physics or biology or neurobiology, etc., exactly what the properties of thoughts as entities are, uh, to what degree they have, they attract or repel other kinds of particles or I don't understand the physics that could possibly exist there. I do, however, speculate that our thoughts can do more than we yet realize. That being said, I indulged in these law of attraction notions of, well, if you just think about something that you want in life, like a million dollars, and you believe and have faith in this notion of you having 
attracting to you a million dollars and you just receive a million dollars, you will, in fact, receive that million dollars. So I spent, I can't tell you how much time I, in fact, wasted staring at the mirror, looking at myself, saying, I am going to make a million dollars. I am going to make a million dollars. I am going to make a million dollars. How many times I spent saying, I'm going to be president of the United States. I'm going to be president of the United States. Reiterating that, just staring at myself in the mirror, saying that, these positive affirmations, telling myself I'm a rich and thriving philosopher, or I'm a rich and thriving philosopher, over and over again, trying to compel my subconscious mind to attract that reality to me. Ugh, God, it's awful to think about. Again, I, it's not that I dismiss the usefulness of positive thinking, even affirmations. I don't know that they're a bad idea, but I'm not a mystic. I don't believe that. I, I even believe that there's some aspect of karma that exists, just like I speculate that a God probably exists, but I don't say I know that God exists, and I don't say I know that karma exists, and I don't know how it is they necessarily do these two things, but I believe it's likely both God and karma exist in some form beyond my comprehension. Again, I could be wrong though, but it's, it's my speculation, it's my guess. But I spent a lot of time trying to attract positive circumstances to me. And that just turned out to be a terrible waste of time. I can't tell you the years I spent reading and rereading Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich and The Secret and watching these Law of Attraction videos and this woman's name was Esther Hicks and how she gives these videos on YouTube about how you can prime your mind to be in what she calls the vortex in which you attract to you the things that you really want. And I just spent countless hours concentrating on those kinds of things as opposed to, you know, my college education and the news and get, getting a fuller understanding of the world. Another recent failure, this is quite recent. You may know if you follow up on me uh, in social media platforms that I applied to graduate school creative writing MFA programs and got rejected from two of the three schools that I applied to. I applied to the University of Maryland and got rejected. I applied to the University of New Hampshire. I got rejected. I applied to William Patterson University. I got accepted. However, they did not offer me a graduate assistantship, which would have been an opportunity to make money at the university while I was also studying at the university. This would also have covered my tuition. Now that I, yes, it's true that I've been admitted to the program, but I'm gonna have to pay thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of dollars for it and try to work at the same time and drive a good distance there. And I, with my interests, I just don't know that it's gonna work in any event. The fact is I didn't, I envisioned myself as this academic um, 
success. I thought with my 3.98 GPA and my positive attitude and establishing these wonderful relationships with professors and such, and just doing everything I thought it was I was supposed to do. Uh, everything that I learned in my creative lighting, writing courses, everything I was told to do within reason, without sacrificing my individuality and creativity, I did. I had asked every professor who was interested in helping me to review my statement of purpose and my sample writings. And I took all of the feedback I got and took every bit of advice I got without compromising my independent, autonomous views on the aesthetics of creative writing. And that turned out to be a failure. I even bought the books of the professors I wanted to study under. I studied them deeply and I cited the things I loved about them most in my letters to them through the statement of purpose I sent to them, thinking that I had demonstrated I understood them very well and would work very well with them. I appreciated them. I thought I had demonstrated my appreciation in such a way that we would get along well uh, as mentor and student. But alas, I had failed there. It is what it is, they say. Nonetheless, I just don't allow this to bring me down. I will admit it does help. I am on this medication for anxiety and depression called Effexor. A little bit embarrassing to admit that I suffer from this mental illness issue. However, I guess these things happen, don't they? Whether it's a mental illness or some other kind of disease or and you have a, some kind of disability or thing that impedes your day-to-day -day functioning or you're missing some aspect that would make your functioning better and so you need some kind of medication or treatment, etc. I mean, this is just how life goes. No one is perfect. No aspect of life is going to be perfect. So we do what we can to improve ourselves. And so the medication definitely helps my focus on just doing what I want to do and not really fixating on a failure or even a feedback that is out there to try and persuade you that you should dislike yourself or fixate on your failures and negative aspects. But it's also the fact that at this point in my life at 33 years old and with a bachelor's degree and so therefore at least a fair amount of education and have, having failed enough in life, I have this new way of seeing myself. And also, I think, having had so many wonderful conversations with my coworkers at the tutoring center, Mercer County Community College, and other folks that I've met, professors and classmates and students, either that I've worked with as a tutor or, again, classmates that I've had, or just people I've met, you get... I, and, and when you are the kind of person who's really interested, I think, in feedback, I think there comes a point where you know that you can say to yourself, 
I know in life I'm going to fail and I'm open to what it is that people are going to criticize and I'm open to evaluating it constructively and objectively and saying either I will use their advice or I will kindly say I appreciate your thoughts but I disagree and here's why or here's why I don't even consider it worth any much more thought. It's also the fact that I've been deeply inspired, and this is the person I'm going to talk to you about next, or the topic I'm going to talk to you about next. I've also been deeply inspired, and I've told you about this before, by Montaigne, Michel de Montaigne. He's a personal essayist, but he's also a very interesting guy, was an interesting guy, with a very interesting way of writing. When pressed to really determine who I aspire to be somewhat like, um, or even significantly like in various respects. Among the people on that list include Michel de Montaigne, because I love the fact that he indulged in the experience of free thought. That is to say, even if he had a subject that was going to be the starting point of a particular personal essay, he didn't feel that he couldn't digress and begin to talk about something else, and then something else, and then something else. Nor did he believe, apparently, if we're to take his, what he says as gospel or truth, nor did he believe that he had to present himself as a perfect person or as some kind of genius. He was the kind of person who could say, yes, I suffer from erectile dysfunction and here's what I do to make it work down there and have good sex. He's the kind of person to say, uh, my memory is awful and uh, there are just so many things about myself that I don't like, but here I am anyway. And here I go anyway, just thinking. And I respect that. I do, because it's about being a person and sharing oneself and delving into what we might call the soul. And also what it means to be a free thinker. I can't tell you enough how much the concept of free thought matters to me. One of the, I believe one of the reasons why I have failed so many times is because my mind moves in a really strange way such that I might start on a contemplation of a political topic and then I just end up somewhere else. I'll give you a perfect example. I was reading this article from the New York Times uh, published just this morning Russia is targeting Europe's elections, so are far-right copycats by Matt Apuzo and Adam Satariano, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, an article I hope you'll check out about Russia and extreme rightist groups who are trying to fill the social media and multimedia zest pot with a deluge of misinformation and content that 
is supposed to make people feel divisive, apparently. Another interesting thing about this article, by the way, is uh, so it, this informs us that the European Union will be having their parliamentary elections between May 23 and May 26. Something to keep our eyes on, definitely, I think. Anyway, so I'm reading this article and it starts talking about servers, internet servers, and it occurs to me, there's so much I don't know about how the internet works, uh, what a server really is. So I stopped where I was in the article and just started researching servers, watching YouTube videos, reading articles, drawing diagrams to help me comprehend. And so then there I am thinking about this concept of the internet and technology and on one of the, so YouTube, you know, offers you videos that um, either are recommended based on the fact that they're related or sometimes they just send you videos that could seem kind of random to you. And there was this video on success and Elon Musk. And I was interested. I decided I'd give it a look, gave it a click and I watched it. And all of a sudden I'm thinking about Elon Musk and it's talking about how he overcame a lot of adversity and failure. He said, um, a lot in his public speaking, but this, despite being something that perhaps he could improve, did not bring him down. And he moved on forward with his successes because he just did not allow failure to distract him or depress him in a debilitating way. Right. So my point being, there I go from politics to success and Elon Musk and failure and that's how my mind works. So it's a blessing and a curse. I mean, on the one hand, it could look like a bit of ADD or a reluctance to focus on something. But on the other hand, I say that it's also, it's about really just thinking. It's, it's the jazz of the mind or the jam band music of the mind or uh, like some of the beat poetry. I mean, my only, my biggest distaste of beat poetry, Jack Kerouac, Allen Ginsberg, another topic which I will in the future talk at greater length about, but not now, but I will just say this about it. One thing that uh, really I have a hard time relating to that poetry, one reason is that while I enjoy the spontaneity and stream of consciousness of it, there's a sort of default philosophy of irrationalism and subjectivism that directs thoughts in a certain way. And I just couldn't relate to that overall arching perspective. I don't, my goal is never to be random or arbitrary. I'm always trying to be constructive. So if I do digress into another topic, it's because it's, it's there to um, offer more context and to sort of just swim freely about the universe, like a, like a bird, you know? And I just had this memory of my grandfather saying, remember he asked this question, he said, why do you always say you know after you utter a sentence? That's not the exact verbatim uh, thing that he said there, but that was the essence of it. But it goes back to this interest I have also in just being like a whole holistic 
thinker as well. That is to say, taking an interest in not just one topic that dominates your entire existence, but seeing things as part of this wider integrated whole. And I feel that that's a specialization in itself. And that was one of the most attractive qualities of my liberal studies degree. The other thing I want to talk to you about, the last thing I want to talk to you about, and I think that this actually ties into the theme of free thinking really well, is time. I can guarantee you this will not be the last time I talk about time. What a, what a concept, right? This, this is a topic that I believe attracts philosophers and artists and thinkers and writers and I think all of us. It's one of those universal concepts that really forces you to pause and contemplate existence and relationships and sense of purpose and our desires and sense of self and who we are. There are some key aspects of time that have been pressing on my mind lately. One of them being, you only have so much of it. We don't know how long we'll be blessed with life. So you really do need to make the most of your life and your time if you value it. I realize there are philosophies out there that tend towards the more nihilistic who think it's all meaningless anyway, and therefore don't necessarily, maybe it would seem to proponents of this ideology that there's no good reason, no compelling argument for trying to live as long as you can, for example, through bolstering your health, uh, abstaining from alcohol or food that is clearly going to cause health problems because what's the expression? YOLO, so you might as well go down with an immensity of pleasure, uh, an experience more of a hedonistic thing. That's one way of looking at it. I don't. I was reading this article about former Supreme Court Justice John Paul Stevens. It's a Washington Post article published yesterday afternoon, but it's probably still available on their website. But one of the things that's interesting about him is he's 99 and he just published a book. I mean, that's amazing. If I could still write or be considerably productive at 99, praise God, if God exists, which I speculate God probably does exist, but I can't prove it. Therefore, I won't say I know, but I maintain a belief because it's such a big universe. And how could it be that there is not a creative substance that perpetuates existence? But that's a, that ultimately needs to be settled probably by physicists and not speculative cosmologists. Is it the word? I think that's the right word. Cosmologist. Um, and so he, he talks about some interesting things too. And when he thinks about things that matter most to him, and again, I think time will push to the forefront your priorities. The former Supreme Court Justice Stevens talks about, for example, the District of Columbia v. Heller, that court case, the Supreme Court case in which it was maintained that in fact, the Second Amendment 
protects the individual right to gun ownership, regardless of whether or not you'd be part of a militia or something. Former Justice Stevens says, if I could get rid of one thing, it would be to get rid of the whole gun climate. I mean, I just relate to that. People might wonder, why am I such a political person? A significant portion of that has to do with time and my reflection on time. If it's the case that you only live once and that therefore at the snap of a finger, life can be snatched from you and your loved ones can be snapped from you. And you think about the fact that there are just so, these people who find themselves with a gun in their hands despite being mentally unwell to such a degree that they just don't value other people's lives and go shooting and terminating lives. I mean, how can we, if we love life and truly value time and want people to have as much time as they can, how can you feel good about the time you're spending on this earth by neglecting that problem? So to me, I'm compelled to be political. That would be one of the reasons why, and that would be why I'm for universal background checks, why I'm for access to healthcare for all, including mental health care, including not just the occasional psychological assistance, but mental checkups for all. And additionally, there should be stricter licensing protocols that call for people participating in and passing a number of gun ownership courses. That's why I'm political in that way and advocate for those policies and why a major portion of this video blog and podcast series will be laced with political activism analysis and commentary and activism. Did I ever say the word activism? I did. I apologize. Uh, I just had coffee and I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going, and a little bit of anxiety comes and goes as I'm thinking about uh, editing this and getting it on the web and all these kinds of things. Another thing about time that is deep in my mind is also the sense of capturing time. That was one of the motivations behind why I got really passionate with poetry. At the time, I perceived poetry as my ability to reflect on where I was when I was there through words and take these sort of mental snapshots that framed and preserved these periods of time because it just fascinates me. The ability to time travel, travel, if you will, whether it's through diving into someone else's writing, where they were, when they were, how they were then, and get a sense of how the broader time in a cultural context could influence them, right? Um, I apologize for the um there. Uh, there my pedantic self comes out. I apologize for that as well, but it's inevitable and we're not supposed to obsessively apologize, right? That's why I enjoy reading my Dostoevsky and my Tolstoy and my Robert Musil and my Montaigne and my Ayn Rand and these other writers 
because to me it's so fascinating to see that point in time from the perspective of their minds. That period of thought is forever preserved, or at least for as long as the records of it can be preserved, that period of time be preserved. It's why I love watching TV shows and movies or listening to recordings or music from other periods in time, because it is like time traveling, you know, watching a Bob Dylan concert from the 60s, that video footage, it's as if you are embedded in that time, you really get to time travel. That's just awesome. On the other hand, also by doing this video blogging and podcasting, I'm preserving this time, both so that from a current events perspective, you can see who I am now, you as my contemporaries, but also, uh, and because, you know, I'm, I'm always sort of interested in what's going on socially, so I keep my eyes on the news, try to keep current events, and there's just the sense of what's new, whether it's political or personal or cultural, and try to find a, a space for it on this video blog and or podcast thing, public comment, which I for my thoughts on, but also for posterity, right? If these recordings can be preserved, then someone a thousand years from now could watch or listen and say, so that's how a person thought, at least someone thought then. Get a sense of both the human soul, as I was able to capture it, and the time in which this soul moved and flowed and contemplated, this mind as it tries to contemplate. So that's all I want to talk to you about today. I really want to thank you all for taking the time to watch and or listen. want to encourage you to check out the public comment video blog website, publiccomment.blog. Check out my Facebook page, my Twitter, if you're watching a video blog, but next time you'd rather listen to the podcast, I encourage you to do that, or if you're watching the podcast, but want to see what the video blog experience might be like, I encourage you to check that out. If you found that this was a favorable experience for you, I hope you would share it with your loved ones. Thank you so much again, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll be speaking with you soon. And again, happy Mother's Day.